Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. We have um, experienced some amazing things of the Spirit here. You know, when people talk about revival, revival is for reformation. Reformation is not just a word. It's it's the um, goal of God to reform us into the likeness of a son. That's just really what's going on in your life. And everyone um, will come to the knowledge of that at some point, whether it be after you're dead and gone, or you can do it here. The great thing about this generation, you know, I was raised in the, please Jesus, come back to this crappy earth and get me off this circle as fast as you can. And I don't know if you know it, but the counterfeit to that is suicide. Come give me a gun or a pill, demonic spirit, and get me off this crappy circle. It's just a counterfeit to the religious spirit's version of a bad eschatology. Okay? And your generation, though, this generation you're living in, that's your generation because you're here, you're alive. You have gained this amazing knowledge that God is looking to reward in this lifetime. I know eternity's coming, and you don't even understand that, so don't try. Don't spend your time trying to understand an ununderstandable thing of God. God has so many mysteries He will reveal to you. Quit spending your time on crap that doesn't matter. I'm sorry. I'm feeling a little feisty. It's His, it's his fault. We had a fat, fasty three hours yesterday. And so... Your generation came into the knowledge that that's not what God meant. Quit looking for the rapture and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Go about doing good. Go about doing greater things than Jesus did. And if you don't know how, get some training. And see, the, the thing about the Holy Spirit is when He sees hunger... He has to show up. Yes. When he sees disobedience and rebellion, he doesn't even, he just lets you run your own life into the ground and run into the wall. And then you're like, oh, yep. all that cool stuff I thought of doing isn't working out. Yes. And so, some of y'all are so serious today. I want to, I want to, I really, you know. And so, the great thing about now is that the Holy Spirit is being welcomed. There's hungry people. And with that hunger, new experiences in the Holy Spirit can be had. Now, He's the same all the time. So think about this for a minute. This is what He's always wanted to do. He's always wanted to Joel 2 on you. Yeah. 
That's always been, he said it was going to happen in many ways. It was always his desire when, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. That was his only desire. He just wanted to say, I'll be, and, and when he says, I'll be God to you. That means you will have no lack and no limits. So every bit of your limit is where he's not Lord. Every bit of your fear is where you didn't crown him king yet. Don't act like it's some other something. And so part of my job, I am an equipper. I'm an, I'm an apostolic equipper. That means that I have this great big vision that I've had for a really long time, since I was a little girl, that you don't have. And that I... I serve by serving. I serve your vision of God's heart over you. Not the one that you came in here with that was all messed up, that you're just like, please help me keep all my fears, and please don't speak too harshly to me. Please don't say, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to give up that addiction yet. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. God's mean. He's just, you just give me all this stuff to work with. But see, my job is just to say, no, this is the blueprint. This is the vision. This is the vision. There's millions of these little houses all over the world. This is nothing new. All over the planet, people are meeting in corporate times just like this, just to ask the Holy Spirit to come. It's not a thing. But what are we going to steward when He comes? See, we either begin to say, well, I just want him to touch me and feel good. And then tomorrow I'll go back to my normal life. You know, when I was a kid, because we were raised with this eschatology that, oh, please, Jesus, please come. I know I got a mansion up there. In fact, I'm okay with a mansion that's just broken down over there by the sea of sparkling clear water. This is how we thought. It's insanity, isn't it? Insanity. Right? When he said, no, Jesus said it. If you give up houses and lands, mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, for me. Now, here's a weird thing about that. Is that we're giving up people that don't even serve him. We're giving up a relationship with people that are demonic. If they don't serve God... Don't paint some other pretty picture around them. Yeah, sure, they've been hurt. Yeah, sure, everybody's been hurt. Everybody's had harm. Every single person. Why? Because we're at war because there's an enemy on the planet. But it's can I wake up my soul enough, my spirit enough to say, I hunger and I thirst for righteousness, to live right, to train my children where well, not to just be another crappy, broken-up marriage that doesn't do anything good. Another parent that doesn't raise her children right. And do we pass that on over and over with the excuse, well, I'm just afraid. I don't know how. Oh, see, it's not true. We know how, but we don't want to do it. We have to burn to learn. We have to, we have to, we have to burn to learn. We have to say enough is enough. God's education is I'm looking for someone to be God in. 
Yes, and you will you will eventually say, oh my gosh, what a privilege. Why? I can read you a million scriptures today. Why would he do that? Because that's his plan. His plan was he would make humanity and they would live on the earth and he would be their God and they would be their people and they would be thrilled to do what he said and he would provide everything needed to do what he said. And see, all those plans that we've made to survive, he'll just have to burn them all up, little by little. Don't you kind of wish he would just... (laughs) Don't you? Sometimes, but that's not even how he does it. He does it a little at a time, much to the dismay of a bunch of you in here. He does it a little at a time. And he uses events of life to show us whether we followed him or not. If he says, I can heal the sick, and I want to, first off, I got to want to. Right? Listen, let me help you. There's a lot of candidates to practice on. The hospitals are full. They're popping up a new emergency clinic on every corner they're like as bad as banks and churches they're just everywhere right so the candidates are rampant and you know i like how bill how he says god can do whatever he wants to do but if i don't pray for people to be healed there will be people that miss out on healing now does that sound different to you than i'll just kick back god just be god God, just be God. Just be God, God. Just be come, just be God. No, he's looking for a co. That is the sole reason he made humanity. He didn't make you to be addicted. He didn't make you to be lost. He didn't make you to create some other identity for yourself. He made you on purpose just like he made you. And he wants you to discover how to operate with him in the humanity box you got. See, I feel like you don't believe me. Let me just prove it to you. Are you sure? Well, let's go home then if you're with me. Let's turn to... So much, goodness. Romans 9. Let's go there. I want us to tell you whole things about Romans 1 through 8, but I don't have time for that. Romans 9. Who's talking? Who wrote it? Paul was like me. We're choleric, apostolic people. So we're straight shooters. You're welcome. It is helpful. And instead of being like, you're okay, baby. You're okay. You don't have to do anything different. Look, Cheryl's going to throw open her mouth a little bit. Let's go down to 20. Romans 9, 20. But who do you think you are to second-guess God? How could a human being molded out of clay say to the one who molded him, Why in the world did you make me this way? Are you denying the right of the potter to make out of clay whatever he wants? Doesn't the potter have the right 
to make from the same lump of clay an elegant vase or an ordinary pot. So ask yourself that question right there. First off, do you know your clay? Let's, I guess let's go back to the basics. You're just a lump of dirt. That's kind of cool, right? Look at all you can do with dirt. It's the pneuma of God, isn't it? The breath of God that changes you from soil that we'll plant some plants in later to what you are. This walking, moving, breathing container of the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's a little bit different than... But see, it's really the same, isn't it? Think about dirt and think about plants. There's stuff going on under the surface, right? Think about how many things that you consume that are plants. You know, I'm, I'm really into those bowls, you know, where you, I like we, I know, we make up some sweet potatoes and we make them all fun. And then we get a little cucumber and, oh, it's making my mouth water right now thinking about it, right? Get some little chickpeas and some, basil and we make it all into this thing that all see almost all that came from someone who said this soil can produce something that's edible so think about it for a minute you are soil dirt but the pneuma the holy spirit that's why to the degree that you Make bigger what he's really done, who he really is, what he, what the point is. He, God wants to be God in you. He doesn't want you to put fear in his place. He doesn't want you to put other things that you worship in his place. He doesn't want you to have a bunch of little G's because it creates a mixture for you. And then you're confused. And then when you're confused, you make poor decisions because you make them to keep the least amount of pain from happening. And see, God's yoke, God's way actually transforms you to be a container of his glory. Pain isn't the issue. And so once we identify that I'm a hunk of dirt and the pneuma, the Holy Spirit of God came in and and it animated me. Blew out all my fingers and my now, now I'm just not walking around with a bunch of these. My grandma, when she got real old, she would be like, are these mine? And we'd be like, yeah, Mima, those are yours. <laughs> they're on this the arm and they're connected. She lost her ever-loving mind, and she didn't even know if her hands were hers. We're a little bit like that sometimes in the spirit. Can you make the metaphoric translation? We kind of have all of this ability, and we kind of don't even know what's ours. You kind of don't know that you can wield the sword of the spirit, and you can keep the enemy totally off your family all the time. <laughs> I believe it. We kind of don't really know that we have the shield of faith. That it, wow. it, it actually, I could preach on the whole armor of God right here, but 
all of this equipment. Like I just think about, gosh, well, God provided everything. He provided equipment. He provided understanding. He provided the spirit. That, and we're just like, we're using a toothpick. Same thing I pluck my teeth with, the same thing I try to fight the enemy with. You're empowered. And so then when all those levels create surrender in us. When I realize I'm really dirt. So valuable though. So valuable to the kingdom. Say it to yourself. So valuable to the kingdom. I know some of you are looking at me like, what? So valuable. So valuable for this time. This generation. So valuable. So valuable. But in your altered state, you're an enemy of God. The thing that's so valuable is that enmity with God, the Creator, because I don't believe how He made me. So I spend, a lot of people spend a bunch of lives, a bunch of time in their lives, just one life, a bunch of time in their lives altering the thing, the container, the jar, the glory opportunity of God, altering it. To make sure I don't have pain. I will sleep my life away. And so once that I continue to do that. I continue to say. I surrender. That that's what I am. I'm clay. I'm valuable. I begin to say. It's, it's so funny. I, I wasn't planning on preaching on this today. But. All week long, there's this old song that we used to sing, and it said, um, Have thine own way, God. I, I grew up what we sing in King James. Have thine, have thine own way, God. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. Now, when I was little, I thought it said mommy and make me. But anyway, mold me and make me after thy will, while I am patient, yielded, and still. Still a great tune, isn't it? And so, as I yield to the knowledge and the education of, wow, there is way more purpose for me on earth than I thought. And I begin to establish him as you have the right to say. You know, the great thing, if you listen to that Havilah message, did anybody get to listen to it? It's really amazing. It would have changed your Friday. But you didn't listen to it, so it, it, couldn't, it didn't have the opportunity to. But it was a molding message. And, and, and see, as clay, I can't rely on just my own mind that's being changed. Right? That's why we need trainers. That's why we need someone to incite change in us. In fact, it should, I should be grading on you a little bit right now. I should be like going, oh man, she's, that's challenging. That's making me feel away. It's making me feel away. I should, that should be happening right now. You should, there should be something in your life that says, I think that I thought I had a lot more rights. I, thought 
you know, like Havla said, you've got the vote, but when he's Lord, he's got the veto. Is it true for you, though? And see, when I make, I begin to, this, this is a leveling up, maturing walk. I begin to establish more and more his authority on my life. Now, why do I want him to have authority? Because he wants to give me authority. You see, in the garden, God set it all, all up perfect and he gave them a choice. See, that, that messes up people. We're just like, well, if God just made us that way, why didn't he just make Because there is the, that's why you have to understand there's power in your choices. So much power that the God of the universe chose to let you have that power. He could have made it some other way. Do we agree? And so the power was given to us to choose. And he says, in this life, if you will choose, I will reward you in this life 30, 60, 100. And in the life to come. And it says in Revelations, Jesus has come back on his high white horse and he's going to have his reward in his hand. It's not, I keep saying it's not American dollars. But that's another sermon. But listen, I am, I am talking today about establishing him as the understood plan of God. I understand he's the potter. I am not. Shake your head, something. Yes, I, I get it. I'm not the potter. Right? You're the lump. And see... I want to give him permission to push on my lump and remold it any way. There's nothing in my life off limits to his molding. See, we all came from different backgrounds. You were molded. In psychological terms, it's called you were imprinted on. You may not know it today, and I may be educating you today, but you were imprinted on a bunch of crappy stuff that will not fit into the kingdom of God. That's why the door is so narrow. It's like you got a bunch of these trash bags full of stuff, and right? And I know you thought you found Jesus, but you know, along the way, you just remember how you just stumbled, and then you couldn't get them all through the door. You know, you're like, oh, I can't get. And then you realize you didn't need a single one of those. But see, some people just hang out at the door because they can't get all the way in because they want to carry all that crap with them. And see, that may take a long time. For some people, that's a 20-year journey. So the promise of God remains. But if God said, I'll do something in you in two years, well, that, that just keeps resetting. Yeah. <laughs> Why? The two-year thing was about lordship. Every single day of every single, however many that would add up to. What's 365 and 365? I know. And then what is, oh, sorry, we could play a little game. We could, we could demonstrate you in front of people, couldn't we? 
Lordship is what I'm talking about today. And see, when he's Lord, you're begging him to mold you. You burn to learn. In fact, you wake up every day, the more you learn, the more you go, I know nothing. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. See, I don't know how many days that you get up. See, it's not enough to say, Holy Spirit, I cannot live without your wisdom. That's a great prayer. It's a great start. Everything in the kingdom has a starting place. Isn't it? Everything. But if you want to ascend the hill, there's a cost. You're not in charge. You don't get to decide some things. You got, you got a lot of freedom. In the, the kingdom, the more he's Lord, the more latitude you have. That tells me lordship is a process. And listen, he's not mad about maturing. I love how Graham Cook talks about it. He's like, you know, I've told this a lot. A little big baby's walking. He's going, come on, baby, walk to me, walk to me, walk to me. And the baby falls down. He doesn't get him and go, Poof. stupid idiot. He's like, that's okay, let's get up again. You know, I look at it, I look at counseling and mentoring and all this stuff I do. Spend all my days doing. It's kind of like this. I was telling the kids a good analogy yesterday. I was like, it's like that you call me and you say, man, my, I have this cool car. And it just won't run right. And I'm like, well, do you have any gas? Let me go check. <laughs> Dang, I don't have any gas. That light must be broke. And I say, well, put gas in it. Call me back. What's gas? My metaphor. Spending time in his presence. That's your gas. That's your spiritual gas. Let me help you. That, spending, that doesn't mean that you're doing a bunch of other things and some music's playing in the background. Good music. Let me get on music. No, listen. No. So listen. No, no, no. So listen. <laughs> and so then a week goes by. And you call me again. You're like, this car, I don't know what's wrong with it. It's not running good. Feels a little fearful. What is happening to it? And I'm like, now remember, remember last week? Do you remember talking to me? Uh-huh. Do you remember that I mentioned something about get? Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Do you have get? Oh, uh-uh. <laughs> okay. Remember that conversation? Got to post it. Got to post. Uh huh. Write it on a post it. Po can you put it somewhere that you can? Uh uh huh. Do you have a phone? Uh huh. Do you know how to work the alarm system? Uh uh. Okay, post it. Go with post it. And check the gas, okay? All right. Two weeks go by. I know you're really busy. But I know you're just helping so many people because you just tell us that all the time. And I know, I don't know what's wrong, but my car won't work. Well, did you listen to Sunday's or Wednesday's message? I did a lot of training and mentoring there. 
Oh, oh. I don't have... Did you check your gas? Oh, I forgot it has gas. See, that repeats in your life. Come on, be honest. That repeats in your life until you remember to put gas in it. That's just step one. That's not the end of the story. There's gas. There's oil. Oh, man, don't let's get started on that. The oil of his spirit. Where's that coming from? Where's the oil of his spirit coming from? See, the things I mentioned on Wednesday, there are so many attributes of God found in his names that he wants to be for you. Can I just read a couple of them to you? Listen to this about Jesus. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's Almighty. He's the Amen, which is yes. He's the author of life. He's the bread of heaven. He's the bread of life. He's the chief shepherd. He's Christ. He's the deliverer. He's Emmanuel. He's the gate. He's the faithful witness. He's God. He's the good shepherd. He's the heir of all things. He's the high priest. He's the holy and righteous one. He's the horn of salvation. He's the great I am. He's the king of the Jews and the lamb of God. He's the last Adam in the light of the world. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's Lord. He's Lord of all. He's Lord and Lord of kings of kings. And he's Lord of glory. He's a man of sorrow. He's master. He's mediator. He's Messiah. He's the morning star. He's our Passover lamb. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the prince of peace. He's the rabbi. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the righteous one. He's the ruler of God's creation. He's savior. He's son of man. He's son of David. He's the son of the most high he's a spiritual walk he's the way the truth and the life and he's the word that's just jesus i explore these i explore to know what i have living in me i can't think of a single thing let me read you a few about the holy spirit my best friend He's the spirit of glory. He's God. He's the Lord. He's the spirit of revelation. He's the spirit of the Son. He's the spirit of God. He's the eternal spirit. He's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of judgment, the spirit of burning, the spirit of the Lord God Almighty, the breath of the Lord God Almighty, the comforter, the spirit of truth, the power of the highest, the spirit of the power of the Father, the good spirit, the Holy Spirit, the free spirit, the spirit of prophecy, the seven spirits of God, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of life, the spirit of Christ, and the spirit of grace. That's the potter. That's the potter. So who am I to say what I should be? I say, let him say what I should be. You know, that's why, you know, one of the things I'm going to be talking about through this anointing series is our gifts. But see, if I don't help you establish him where he needs to be, then you will take those gifts and you will make your life comfortable with them. 
you let, let's use it on a on the most simplest practical example that's on the planet for Americans is the American dollar. You could not have one red cent if it wasn't for him. You could not get anybody to hire you if it wasn't for him. So why would I exchange what he gave me to meet a need in me? Your job was not meant to meet a need in you. You can't get promoted if your job is in the wrong place. If your job is God, you will lose it. And then you'll blame somebody for losing what you gained. Listen, if I'm serving him with my life, he will make it prosper. If I'm serving another God with my money, it will fail. Don't write it off to some other something, some other person. It failed because you had the wrong God. That's not God's way. God said, I came that you might have life and you might have abundance that you might prosper just like your soul prospers. What's our soul? You know, we have way little control over our soul. It loves to blame people for its own idiot. It see. <laughs> just think for a minute about your week. Did anything not go like you wanted? That's your soul. It had a way. Look, it's standing there like this most of the time. I had this expectation of you. Remember what you said last week? I thought you were going to do that this week. This is how it's standing there like this. And then you begin to institute ways of manipulation and motivation To get her satisfied. It's kind of stomping its foot like this a little bit. Tapping it. It's impatient because that expectation what? Got dashed. Got disappointed. That just tells me I have the wrong G in the wrong place. When you begin to blame others, you stepped over a long way. When you get to the blame game. You know, listen, whole people heal people, but hurt people hurt people. Guarantee, I'm sorry to be the bearer of this news, but if you live with hurting people, you're going to get hurt. That's why it should be a priority with your lump of clay that you heal it from all the past imprinting that was never the big G. It was never when he was Lord. It was never when he was entrusted with everything. It was when you were blind and desperate and trying to make your way with your limpy little wimpy pain. Who everyone has. Everyone has Mr. Pain. Every now and then you do his hair. You do. You act like it's a friend. Let me fix that up. Let's take you for a trim. Let's go over to Breezy and let's get a trim. 
Pain is meant to be healed, not lived with. And see, if you do not believe that, if you do not have the faith to believe that, that's the first place you've got to change things. Your faith is meant to attach to the healer. Did I just read one of his names is the healer? Listen, as this generation grows into this amazing amount of revelation that's being pulled, poured out. Listen, I've been doing this for 60 years. My 60th birthday is in a couple of weeks, and I've been doing this for a long, long time. And the knowledge that's being poured out and available to us would make us fat, sassy, and saturated. The point of knowledge is to apply it where appropriate, not to just gain more of it. I burn to learn, but I burn to implement it. I want the, I want the Holy Spirit to come, and I want prophecy to be uh, presented out of this house, but I also want reformation. I want our, our lives to be reformed out of pain, out of addiction, out of suffering into his marvelous light where I can pro stand here and proclaim his glory and I can stand here and say, I have already won. Yeah. And see, every part that you invest in the big G, whether it be healing or counseling or whether it be attending something or coming to learn how to pray or coming to pray with Pam. Every place you re-listen to a message and you just over and over hear it and you ingest it, you make notes on it, you'd go back and put post-it somewhere, you're investing in God's healing. And let me just tell you, this little hour that I talk to you is not enough. You will not be changed you will have a 20-year journey hearing the same thing over and over. Let someone shine the spotlight on your hidden life. Let someone shine a spotlight on your Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. Let someone shine a light on your time. Because, see, the, the potter is going to mold some hungry people. He's going to mold whoever's hungry. That's not something that he's just going to insert in you. That's something you already got in you. You already have either a hunger and desire for God or a hunger and desire for your own little way. And see, the great thing about the potter is while he was molding you, he stuck him in you. You're made in his image. You look weird not serving Him. You look weird being your own God. Because you were meant to be a container of this beautiful Holy Spirit. You were meant to be an outflow of the powerful Spirit of God. When you look small, when you look like an orphan, when you look offended, when you get your panties in a wad, right? When you're fearful... Those are all attributes of the enemy. Think about Lou for a minute. God arrayed him with every jewel. We can't even imagine it because all we can, we just look at us. <laughs> but every jewel and every instrument made into a being to say holy. Now see, when the writers of the Old Testament or New Testament, when they repeated a word, it wasn't like somebody was standing there going, holy, holy, holy. It was the power behind the one word, holy. It didn't need to be repeated. 
And that was Lucifer. He was in charge of music. That's why he came to earth and he stole music. I love that the Grammys displayed a complete devil worshiping because he's a counterfeiter. That means all over the planet, true worship is going up. You know, part of knowing who God is, is knowing that I've got to protect what he's making in me. You know, we're so funny how God gives us a word or gives us some encouragement and we think we're completely, I guess, impervious to the devil anymore. Like we're just so strong. And we can run back and tell all the people that we're doing crappy life with. And Jesse's right there. I just have to say one word and you're hooked again. See, part of understanding I'm a lump, will always be a lump. Without the power of God, I can display the demonic. I mean, I love it that that guy just displayed it all out in front of everybody. Then we, we all know where he's at now. Next day, he wore some hefty bag pants. I mean, you know, we just know where he's at. I'm glad someone's a little bit honest to say where he's really at so we can begin to pray. How many years did Army pray for Justin Bieber? And what happened? Do you remember when they, he was like three or four years old and he kept saying, I think we should pray for Justin Bieber. And I know his mama hadn't been letting him listen to so any secular music. So I was like, had to be God. And what happened? What happened to Justin Bieber? He crashed and burned and wiped his life out. And then he ended up marrying Baldwin's daughter. If you don't know Baldwin's story, that's such a cool Stephen Baldwin story. That's a cool story. But see, who's his next candidate? That tells me something about him. He may not be real good about it, and he may it may feel crappy inside him sometimes. But his mom's training him. You got a power. He don't fit in public school. He don't fit in all these places that we have. God has moved on. I don't know if you get this, but I've been. How many years have I been saying that the education system has already changed from God's perspective? We get our panties in a wall because we get so stationary on well. They got to have it this way and they got to do it this way. I mean, God spoke for me for years. Aubrey and I have been talking about that. You know, we have got to be the educators. I mean, I understand there's some vocations. I mean, like I wouldn't want a doctor, you know, to not actually go and get some training. But anyway, it's another story. I can go on about that, about healing. But that's not. Okay, stop, 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 stop. <sighs> I feel better. Listen, I'm jumping around a bunch of subjects, but the bottom line today is this, that there is a design element from the great designer over your life. And you've got to be more focused on making him so much God, so much Lord, so much surrender, that by the time that he gets through molding you, you wouldn't even notice you were common or if you were elegant. You wouldn't even notice. 
you wouldn't even notice whether you were on stage somewhere or you got you a YouTube channel somewhere if you're a YouTuber. You wouldn't even notice because you would have just been remolded and led into the position that God has for you. Let me end with a couple. This verse in Romans 9 comes from Isaiah 29. It says, Oh, how great is your perversion. Who is more intelligent, the potter or the clay? Should a created thing say to its creator, You didn't make me. Should a clay pot say to the potter, you don't understand. Now, the interesting thing about the footnote in from Brian Simmons is this. You remember last year, the Yetzer and the Yatzer? This is this root word. It says to form, fashion, frame, or make. It says before you can form something or frame something, it has to be imagined. You know, that was the greatest breakthrough in my life is when I began to sit with God and let him show me what he imagined me to be. And you know what? When I did that, I could see every place the enemy targeted me. And then all those targets of the enemy became more funny because like I was like, oh, he was just threatened. Oh, he was just jealous. Do you understand that if you get your worship on, the, th the thing that's going to be the most offended is the one that had the position of worshiper. You know, when I was um, in high school, I I've told this a lot. I went to the biggest school in the state of Oklahoma. I graduated with a thousand kids and the, and the class after me had like 1500 kids. So we had 2,500 kids, which is, that was right. So I mean, we had. It's a beautiful thing when those numbers add up. I don't do numbers. But anyway, I, and it was just two grades. So what they did, it was in Moore, America. They separated, the high school was two grades. And then they had two pre-high school called, I can't remember what they were called now, mid-highs, mid that's what they called them. And they were two grades. And then they had two other grades. So, you know, Seventh was together, and eighth was seventh and eighth was together, ninth and tenth was together, and eleventh and twelfth was together. So I started playing basketball when I was in eighth grade. And when I was in ninth grade, the high school coach came to, to watch me play. The coach told me, which that was that's don't do that before the game. Um <laughs> he came to watch me play. Now now keep in mind, I mean, this is the biggest high school in the state, so you know, there was a lot of people that played a lot of sports at the biggest high school in the state, right? And Moore was notorious for those back in those days in the early 1800s that we <laughs> had state-of-the-art facilities. We had the most amazing gymnasium for a high school. Now it's not a thing, I'm sure, but it was amazing. And so I played at the little podunk, you know, mid-high gym, right? And so he came to watch me, and he said, when you go to move from the ninth grade year to the tenth grade year, I want you to come play at the high school. Had never been done before. I was the only sophomore on the high school campus, campus that year. Now, see, 
that felt like a really big honor to me. I didn't really even like basketball that much. You know, something about not liking it, I think, makes you just really get a lot of rewards for it or something. I don't really know. But you could say it was a really successful career, but I left my teammates that I'd played with since eighth grade. And I went and played with the big girls. Now, when I came to play with them, there was a senior that started. And I was just a little green. Man, I was green. I was naive. You know, my mom had really protected me. I had, I was that girl who I was just so happy that I wasn't like the world. I was just like, man, I'm so glad I'm not like you. You're an idiot. That's how, that's how I felt. And, and so... I played my high school career, like I said, this senior started, and I remember the day the coach called me in, he said, you're going to start in front of the senior. Now, see, I'm still green, greener to gourd. What do you think that senior thought about me? You know, the mature 17-year-old, what did she think about me? It was, we, it was not a loving relationship. And that was my first feeling of something really great and fantastic for me. Created a real big problem for somebody else. Fast forward a couple years later, all those girls that I left behind came to play. How do you think, how do you think they felt about me? That was my second experience. And I remember going into my mom and I was sad. You know, it's hard to be making the paper every week and people on your team not quite as cordial. Girls can be really crappy. But I remember my mom said, baby, listen, God made you great. And there's always going to be people jealous of you. And that's what jealousy looks like. Can't celebrate. Offended. Don't even know it's great for the team because we have no team mentality. And see, this is what you have to understand. Is that God came and called you up. You're sitting in this room today because he was not happy to leave you where you were. And you've been called up to a team you're not probably that great at yet. Some people in here are going to take other people's places. But see, in the family of God, we have to realize it's about one thing. It's not about individual glory. It's about the king getting glory. And when we can reduce ourselves down to realizing, God be God. I will clean the toilets Tracy used to say that to me. She'd say, I will watch anybody's kid for you and I will come clean the toilets for you just to let someone like Breezy have breakthrough. Now, I don't know if she struggles with that. I'm not going to make her confess. But that heart is what I'm talking about today. I, I, Cece's going to come, but I, I want to just, I really want us to take just a minute. And I wanted, I wanted to read to you. My computer's about to die, so it must be time to quit. 
I wanted to read to you this scripture before we leave and before she comes. If I can find it. There it is. I'm going to read this in the. I'm going to read it in the voice, okay? It says, Who would have ever believed it? Who would have possibly accepted what's been told? Who has witnessed this awesome power and plan of the eternal in action? Out of emptiness he came, like a tender shoot from a rock-hard ground. He didn't look like anything or anyone of consequence. He had no physical beauty to attract our attention. He was despised and forsaken by men. A man of suffering, grief's patient friend. As if he was a person to avoid, we look the other way. He was despised and forsaken, and we took no notice of him. Yet it was our suffering he carried. It was our pain, our distress, our sick to the soulness that he carried. We just figured that God had rejected him, that God was the reason he hurt so badly. But he was hurt because of us. He suffered so. Our wrongdoing wounded and crushed him. He endured the breaking that makes us whole. The injuries he suffered became our healing. We all have wandered off like shepherdless sheep, scattered by our aimless striving in endless pursuits. The Eternal One laid them on Him. This silent sufferer, all the sins of all of us. And in the face of such oppression and suffering, silence. Not a word of protest, not a finger raised to stop it. Like a sheep to a shearing, like a lamb to be slaughtered, he went. Oh, so quietly, oh, so willingly. Oppressed and condemned, he was taken away from this generation who was there to complain. Who was there to cry foul? He was, after all, cut off from the land of the living, smacked and struck not on his account, but because of how people disregarded the lines between right and wrong. They snuffed out his life. And when he was dead, he was buried with disgrace in a borrowed space among the rich, even though he did no wrong by word or deed. Yet the Eternal One planned to crush him all along, to bring him to grief, this innocent servant of God, when he puts his life in sin's dark place, in the pit of wrongdoing. This servant of God will see his children and have his days prolonged. For in his servant's hand, the Eternal's deepest desire will come to pass and flourish. As a result of the trials and troubles that racked his soul, God's servant will see light and be content because he knows and really understands what it's about. God said, 
My just servant will justify countless others by taking on their punishment and bearing it away. Because he exposed his very self, laid bare his soul to the vicious grasping of death, and was counted among the worst, I, God, will count him among the best. I will allot this one, my servant, a share in all that is of any value to me, because he took himself on the sin of many and acted on behalf of those who broke my law. Let's just close our eyes. That's really what Jesus did for us. And I pray today that you will have an experience in salva- with salvation like I have, that you will realize that this was God's plan to redeem you and buy you back and restore you, regenerate you so that you could do the same, so that you could be a restorer of others. And it's really simple. It's not just a prayer, although it starts with a prayer. It's actually a lifestyle that you're saying, I will lay everything down that I used to do to follow this king, to be what the molder of me said I should be. And so, Jesus, we just invite you today. We repent today for even things we don't even know what we're doing. And we say, come in and be Lord. Come in and restore me. Come in and regenerate me. Come in and heal me. Take away all the diagnoses that doctors have given me because I didn't know the healer. And I just place all my wounding on you, Jesus. I place everything on you to restore me today. And so I just release the power of Yahweh right now to come in and redeem you and buy you back and tell you that you are his son. You are his daughter. You've been lost, but you've been redeemed. And through this redemption plan, you can fulfill the promise of letting God be God in your life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yahweh. We just thank you for your spirit of redemption, for your rescuing spirit, for your presence. We just thank you that your desire to bear the burden of our suffering goes on today. It didn't end at the cross, but it was a one bold move of suffering that echoes throughout eternity is still echoing and is still an available invitation to every single one of us. You desire to bear the burden of our suffering. You desire to bear the burden of our sickness. You desire to bear the burden of the consequences of our bad choices, of our mistakes, of our trip-ups. I thank you that that's still your burning desire today. Thank you that it's your burning desire that will will burn for all of eternity. And I thank you that you're speaking it louder and louder and louder and louder over the people on the planet right now. Your voice calling them back to, calling them to your offering and your invitation to redemption is getting louder and louder and more direct and more specific and more targeted. You're making it easier for people to hear you. What mercy, what mercy you must have, Papa. What mercy that you would send your son to die and suffer in such a horrible way and die on the cross for us over 
2,000 years ago, and yet you would have so many people walking the earth right now that reject the offer that he made that day, and yet your mercy is still greater. Your mercy is still greater than your judgment of them still missing the invitation, rejecting the invitation. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your mercy. Your mercy is so great, is so great. We love you. We love you. We love you. It occurred to me while I was sitting there that, you know, there is this this unction, this momentum of reestablishing the fear of the Lord on the earth right now. It's being spoken in so many different ways and by so many different people. And you'll hear it in a lot of different ways, but you'll hear this message today. We've talked about it other times. We'll talk about it again, and it may be coming from different angles, but it, and you'll hear it as, Um, Fear of the Lord, reverence for the Lord, making him God, truly making him Lord of your life. There's all of this language for it, but really the core of it is very, very simple. And that's why I prayed that and I thanked him for making it easier for us to hear. Because he's really saying, this is your one thing you need. Out of all the things you have going on in your life, out of all the needs, out of all the, th- the hurts and the pains and the things that you know are just in, an, in disorder, you know that they're just not, not what you want them to be, this is your ticket, making him Lord. Because he makes it simple. I had this image come to my mind of if you've ever had something get tangled up like a necklace, if you ever pulled like a necklace out of your jewelry box and it is so tangled up, you can't figure out how to, which part to pull on or, you know, your AirPods cord or your charger for your phone, your garden hose. I mean, those things, like those things, can you can really wrestle with them, right, when they're tangled up. And But have you ever had that time where you just happened to touch the right thing and pull on it and it just all fell out? Yeah. It just just all fell out and you're like, wow, that was, <laughs> that was nice. You know, I had no idea. That's what this is. When we make him Lord, that is pulling on the one thing, the one part of the tangled mess that needs to be pulled on. It's just simply making him Lord. It's not complicated. And what that does is it removes the burden of you having to figure out how to solve all your own problems. It just takes it away. Even if you can identify a whole list of things that are wrong, it won't matter because it's not on you to fix it anymore. It's just not on you to, to resolve it, to have to, to work it out like some sort of a mental exercise or puzzle. That's what making him Lord does. And I was reminded of, because that puts him in the position to lead us. There's so many verses in scripture that talks about how the the Holy Spirit will lead you in the unraveling process and the untangling process. He knows what thing to pull on or to, to highlight or to repair or to speak truth to right now so that you can just pick the thing up and it all falls out. And that way it, it removes the burden from you and all we have to do is follow him. And so we say, okay, well, if you say turn left, I'll just turn left today, and I'll enjoy the peace. You know, in Psalms 23, I said it last Wednesday, I think, but I'm so on this right now that it's your authority, it says, 
your authority is my strength and my peace. Is that not a simple version of what we all cry out for? Make me stronger and give me some peace. I wish I was stronger and I wish I didn't have so much anxiety. I wish I didn't feel so weak. I wish I didn't have so much fear. Strength and peace. It's his authority that is our strength and our peace. It makes it simple. Now, I keep being reminded, too, about this Galatians 5 verse that I read the other day, and I'm going to read it to you again, and I want you to hear the simplicity in it. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Now, just insert in there, the cravings of your self-life, just insert in there. Those are the things that are really not helping you out in life. They're not getting the good results from that. You don't really wish, you wish you didn't crave them. You wish you didn't choose them. Everything from the smallest thing to the most, you know, the, the biggest issues in life. For yourself, life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from leave, living free within you. Now, most of the time when I hear this verse read, the emphasis is on, you know, you got to realize that your self-life is hindering the Holy Spirit. Like, do you realize what you're doing? But I'm seeing this other side, that in the Holy Spirit's intense craving, hinder your old self-life from dominating you. That's the part I love. Yes. It's saying, if you yield freely and fully to the, to the Holy Spirit's intense craving, they will dominate. They will dominate the things that still torment you, that keep you tangled up. They will dominate it. So the way I'm seeing this is, you know, you can hear this, these messages about the fear of the Lord and establishing him as Lord and reverence for the Lord. And it may hit you in certain ways. It may offend you in certain ways. But really, all it is, is an invitation to do this. It's an invitation to say, you know what? I'm going to yield to you in the way I know how today. And I trust and believe that the way I yield to you in this moment, it's going to hinder something that I can't even see, wow. that I have no power over. And so everybody can, can do this at any stage of your walk with him, at any stage, at any stage. It just makes it simple. Yield in the way that you know to yield. And I like to think about any given, I could, there's tons of little things that we yield to that don't, aren't that hard. We can, we could choose them. And I think it would empower us to choose the little things if we knew that that thing you were just taking on actually would fight for you. That thing would go to work, go to work for you. You know, so I always use this example of a long time ago, I used to, on my walk into work, I would just, it was my very beginning of hearing the Holy Spirit nudge. I didn't even know to call it that then. But it, he would say like, stop and pick up that gross piece of trash. You know, well, I don't, I don't like to touch dirty things. I'm just kind of, I'm a melon. I don't, I don't like to touch, play in the dirt, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like, ugh, got to get off. But it was a simple thing. Stop, just pause for a minute and pick it up and throw it in the trash. Simple thing, moved on. I'm just saying there are those kinds of opportunities all day long. And the more you take them, the more you are building up an army within you that will actually begin to dominate the things that are harming you in your own life, the things that you struggle with. So take advantage of the simplicity and remember that that's what it means to make him Lord. So Papa, I just thank you again. Jesus, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts with all the breath that's in us that you've given us. We thank you. 
There is not enough words for us to say thank you, enough time for us to give you a worthy, a worthy expression of our gratitude, but we will try. We will, we will die trying. And so I just thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you've made it simple. I thank you that you want to bear the burden of the things that we're suffering with right now, of our sickness, of our troubles, of our fear, of our depression, of our anxiety, of whatever it may be. You desire to bear the burden of that. So I thank you for extending your hand to us and saying, just take my hand. Take my hand in the simple way, in the simple ways that I show you day after day after day. And you will begin to dominate on our behalf the things that are harming us. And just like we pick up the necklace at just the right spot and all those tangles just fall out, we will look back over our life and find that you've done that. Whether we, it makes sense to us or not, that's the beauty of it. We don't even have to understand. We don't even have to get it when it's happening. That's the beauty and the freedom that comes with yielding. So we thank you, Papa, for your perfect, precious gift that is still being offered every single day. Thank you for the beauty and the perfection and the mercy of your gift of love and the gift of your lordship. So I thank you for these messages. I thank you for the way you are reestablishing the reverence that we should have for you because of all that it actually benefits us. So we say yes to you. We make you Lord over our lives today. We just say we choose you in the most simplest way, in the most childlike way. We take all that is in our heart today and we say, I don't even know what all it means, but I make you Lord over my life. I make you Lord over my mind. I make you Lord over my heart. I make you Lord over my body. I like make you Lord over my family. I make you Lord over my car, over my job, over my ministry, over my eating habits and my drinking habits and my exercise habits and every word that I speak. I just make you Lord over every possible thing. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to highlight for us those simple things that we can do that will actually bring us great joy in the moment to know that you are going to war for us. So we give you praise today. We honor you today. And we love you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay